It's Sunday morning, and uh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, we're going to be teaching on several things this morning, uh, particularly gossip, slander, tail-bearing. A lot of people think something is not gossip if they repeat it exactly the way they heard it. If you put an inflection in your voice, up or down, and you can't say it exactly the way somebody said it, and you cannot say it without making these people look bad, then you are lying about them. And this will churn some things up that are not good. I want you to learn, whenever I talk about anybody in the ministry, I never talk about you in a negative way. I've tried to teach people this for years. When I was in the music business, I had a guitar player. His name was Butch Davis. He was unbelievable guitar player. When somebody would say, and I would feature him on stage, and people would say, boy, he is something else. I'd say, isn't he the greatest thing you ever heard? I always bragged on people that I was with. If you're a Christian and you're doing what you're supposed to do, you won't talk and buzz about people and whisper and say slanderous things because you heard it said in those exact words. You put any slant on it with the tone of your voice, and you're gossiping, and you're tearing somebody's life down. You should never do that, ever. I don't do that, and I don't want people doing it around me. I've stopped a lot of people here. Don't say that. You can't say that. We need to care about people. You know what really brings this about? There's a word I really haven't covered enough, and that is orgay. Orgay produces gossip. O-R-G-A-T-A. That's the Greek word, O-R-G-E. The orgay is feminine gender. When it's usually used, it's usually the word wrath. The reason it is feminine gender is because Babylon is the mother. A mother is feminine. She gave birth to it. She nurtured it. Babylon is the mother of harlots. Harlot is the word pornea, P-O-R-N-E-I-A, pornea. Can I make a suggestion? Yeah, you can. Big. All right. Babylon is the mother of harlots. Pornea is the word. Pornea means idolatry. The reason orgay is feminine, God's wrath is masculine. His wrath is thumu. 
that's masculine gender, when the wrath of God comes down upon the earth, right as he's pouring out the vials of his wrath, the word is thumu in Revelation 16 and 1. God's wrath is thumu. Our wrath is orge, and that's the wrath of being angry. It's the wrath that comes about in our lives because of covetousness. And covetous is the word pleonectes. Pleonectes. Plenectes means to want more any way you can get it through deviousness, through trickery, being trickery. That reminds us of the word guile. Guile means to speak by trickery, to twist things. And when you have this or gay, and you want to put your opinion on it, you'll say, do you know what she did? Do you know what he did? I don't really care. Everybody's got a problem. We are not to be taking care of each other's sin. I've got people that's been trying to get me to repent of something that didn't happen 20 years ago, some 30 years ago. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. All kinds of lies go around. And when somebody gets... If you are the head of a company, or you are pastor of a church, you're in some kind of position, there's going to be jealousy and envy and strife. And that is all stirred up by this old gay. But let me tell you why. The orgay is feminine. Because Babylon mothered it all. Mother is a fe- is feminine. She gave birth to it. And here's what they here's what Babylon was founded on. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Genesis eleven and verse four. They said they were found a plain in the land of Shinar. If you don't know where Shinar is, Shinar is the lower Mesopotamian valley. It is, let me see if I, here it is. Here is Mesopotamia right here. That would be called Iraq. And the lower Mesopotamian valley would be Shinar. That's just another name for Babylon. Or it is a name for Iraq. Iraq. Now, Babylon started in Genesis eleven four. This was right after the flood. Nimrod built Babylon. He built Asher and the first man to build cities. He was against God, opposing God, and he founded Babylon. He said, Let us build us a city. Let us build us a city. That is man's pride. He wants to have a football NFL team and a baseball team and a basketball team. He wants his city 
and a city was called a mother. In fact, we say M-E-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S. Metropolis. Metro is a form of the word meter, which is the Greek word mother. And polis means people. Mother of the people is the city. And they said, this will be our doctrine. At this time, Shem, the second born son of Noah, was ruling the world. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And Canaan, the son of Ham, will be his servant as Canaanites when they come into the land of Canaan. And the eldest was Japheth, the Bible says in the 10th chapter of Genesis. And they said, let us build us a city and a tower. The word tower is the word migdal, M-I-G-D-O-L. It means pool, pit, or rostrum. And they said, we have a doctrine that we want to preach. This is what happens. This is why orge is feminine gender, why it's man's orge, rostrum. And rostrum means pulpit. And we got a doctrine we're going to preach. And the doctrine is self. Let us make us a name. This is the doctrine. Let us make us a and actually what it says let us make us a Shem. Shem is the word name in the Hebrew. We don't like Shem telling us we have to take our cross and die daily. We have to give up self. We want our own Shem that will preach our own doctrine to us. And Shem means authority. We'll make up our own authority, our own God. It'll be a little G-O-D. And we'll have our own doctrine. We'll just simply twist everything. And in that doctrine, they had a father of the gods, a mother of the gods, And they had the trinity of the gods and the son of the gods. The son was someone like Hercules. The mother of the gods was called Mileta, which means female mediator, or Aphrodite. And the father of the gods would be Saturn, which was nothing but Nimrod, Saturn. Saturn, or it would be one of the other Jupiter, and the sun would be Hercules or one of these other gods, Perseus, and so forth, and goes on and on. So they had a trinity. They actually, Mr. Samuel Angus tells us, they had a new birth. He's got a book, fantastic book, on paganism. He has a book called Mystery Religions. He will tell you 
that in in the mysteries, all of those were mystery religions in the Mediterranean. When you went over here and you studied the Dionysiac mysteries and Hercules was the head of that, they said that you had to be initiated into these mystery religions. And that when you were initiated into it, you had to perform certain things. And it was a mystery. That's why the Bible talks about the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. The word mystery is the word Masturian. Masturian, mystery, you have the mystery of Christ and the mystery of iniquity. Everyone in the flesh is familiar with the mystery of iniquity but the mystery of Christ is that only a certain few will be heirs Mysterian means the unrevealed facts and God only reveals himself to whomsoever he will and that's only a certain few most people are not going to heaven most people are going to hell when they die Mysterian comes from the word muo meaning to shut the mouth. And we get the word mute from that. Keep the mouth shut. Don't tell everybody. You can tell the whole world about Christ, but only certain ones are going to believe. Those to whom God will reveal himself. That's what the scripture tells us. He only reveals himself to a certain few. Now, the orge is put on man. It's his very nature. Look over there in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians. In Ephesians, the third, excuse me, the second chapter, speaking in verse 1, And you hath he quickened, Quicken is the word Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. Zupoeo. It comes from poeo, meaning to make. Zoo, you go to a zoo to see living animals. Zoo means alive. Quicken means to make alive. God makes alive whom he wills to make alive. Look over here. I'll come right back here. Hold your place there. But look here in Luke. Luke. The 10th chapter. Luke 10. And the Bible says here in verse 21. In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent of this world. Prudent means to look out for oneself. The wise of this world, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And hath revealed them unto babes, and we are the babes in Christ. Even, Father, so far so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father. This is in red letters. This is God talking. And no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son and one other person. 
and he to whom the Son will reveal himself. The word reveal, apocalypto, A-P-O-K-A-L-U-P-T-O. Apocalypto comes from apo, bending off with the calypto cover. Whoever he wants to take the cover off of your eyes and you can see and you're not blind, you're one of God's elect. That's only a few because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. Only a few find it. Only a few have it revealed to them. We get the word apocalypse from this. A-P-O, A-P-O, K-A-L-Y-P-S-E. That's the word revelation. Take off the cover. People say the revelation is a is a spiritual book we can only see. It's not either. All you have to do is define all the words in the book, get all the customs and culture, and we'll know what it means. Now the next two verses. The next two. Uh, are you talking about Luke twenty Luke ten twenty three? And he turned him into his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, Proverbs 20 and 12, the Lord has made even both of them. So you can only see spiritual things if God wants you to, and you can if he does it. This thing about gossiping, you don't have to straighten anybody out. God will straighten them out. You don't have to say, they did this and she did that and he did that. You don't need to be doing that. That is alien to us. We are not supposed to be whispering about one another, and this orge winds it up in all of us. The Bible says Romans one eighteen. Well, let me finish up Ephesians. In Ephesians, the Bible says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. When in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. At one time, you were a child of disobedience. Every believer... We had our conversation, anastrophe. This is the word conversation, A-N-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. It means behavior. We had our behavior. We had our behavior, our way of living in in disobedience. And then he says, In times past, in the lust of the flesh, you had this, and I had this. Whew, was hard to get over, isn't it? This word lust is the word epithumia. Let me erase some of this. Epithumia is the word lust here. You've got to look up the word lust because sometimes, very seldom it'll be a different word than this. But it's epithumia here. Maybe you can recognize this when I explain it. Epi-lust. You had your conversation, your way of living. Who's he talking to? Ephesus. Talking to the believers at Ephesus. 
you had your anastrophe, your way of living, your thinking, your actions, your conversation. It doesn't just mean your talk. It means your mode of life, mode of living. Everything you talk about, everything you do was in epi lust thumia. Epi is a word that's used constantly all through the Bible as a prefix. You can find it on the front of a lot of words. It means over or on top of. Thumia Thumia comes from the word thumas which means to breathe hard. High. High. It means to superimpose or cover your life with breathing hard. I gotta have that. I gotta have her. I gotta have him. I just gotta have what I want. And if he takes it away from me, I'll gossip about him. I won't say anything wrong. I'll just put an inflection on it that makes him look bad. Don't do that. I'll tell you, this is one of the hardest things to get Christians to quit doing. Quit gossiping. Don't try to straighten people's lives out. If they're elect, they're in a process. What do you do if somebody's saying the wrong thing? If they're preaching false doctrine and it's winds of doctrine, withdraw from them. Well, when you withdraw, aren't you supposed to be mad and gossiping about them? No. The opposite of no forgiveness, if I can put this down right, if you don't forgive anybody, everybody thinks I'm supposed to be angry at them. No, you're not. All you're supposed to do is withdraw. If anybody preaches any other doctrine, do not bid them Godspeed, C-H-A-I-R-O, Carol, God's speed doesn't mean to go fast like God. It's a word that means to embrace these people if they preach another doctrine. Don't embrace them. And anything that has to do with God's speed, charis, charis is the word grace. That's also a form of caro. Rejoice is the word kara. Rejoice. Don't rejoice with them. The Bible says agape, love, does not rejoice with iniquity. There in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Love or charity rejoices not with iniquity. Which would go right with this if anyone brings another duck, don't bid them God's speed, don't be gracious to them, don't rejoice with them. Iniquity is A-N-O-M-I-A. Anomia is a form of nomos, which is the word law in the Greek. The alpha primitive place in front of law means no law. If somebody doesn't have the law of God in their lives, people say, You think we live under the law? Absolutely we do. Can you go out and kill? Can you commit adultery? 
Can you cuss? Can you steal? Can you rob banks? I don't understand this. The last verse of Romans, the third chapter, says, Do we make void the law through faith? Yea, we establish the law. But the law is not just the Ten Commandments. It's everywhere Jesus has an imperative mood. An imperative is a command. Now, if an imperative command comes from the mouth of Jesus, is that a law? Yeah, it is. When he says, strive to enter into the straight gate. When I was a teenager, I thought my father would read that. I thought that meant try to enter in. Not what it means. Now, if God is telling you to agonizomai, agonizomai, when Paul said, I have fought a good fight, he said, I have agonizomai. A good agon. The word, the, the base word is agon. The agon was the arena where they fought, and here they were out here battling the, the gladiators. Here they are. There's the agon right there. It's a great big Colosseum, and they were agonizing there. They were dying. Do you know that's what God's telling us to do? Death to self. Don't gossip. Don't try to fix people's life. If they belong to God, God will fix them in his time, won't he? Just withdraw. Am I supposed to have a bad attitude and and tell them what they need to do? No, it is not your job. The only way they can be forgiven, Ephesus, to pardon and release from prison, the only way they can do that is they have to repent. But it's not up to you to get them to repent. The goodness of God will lead them to repentance. And when they repent, they'll be ashamed. You'll be ashamed. Am I ashamed of the way I've lived? Absolutely. Are you? If you're not, you hadn't repented. You don't have to run around and telling everybody every day all day long for 20 years like some people call me I demand that you repent well you don't know my life and how much I've been repenting over the last 20, 25, 30 years every every day you have to repent daily what does that mean Jim it means you turn back to self every day in Luke 13 and 3 Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. In the Greek language, that word repent, metanoia, is present tense. That means you have to be repenting daily. Subjunctive mood, when it's coupled with subjunctive mood, When it's coupled with subjunctive mood, that means it has to be continual. Are you ashamed of your sin? I don't want to discuss my past with anybody. We're not to even discuss those things. Paul said in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, 
that are disgraced to God want him to be talking about them. Have we all sinned? Have we sinned with things that we are so ashamed of? Well, if you say you hadn't, then you need to repent of that. Every day we get up, here's what we do. We have a tendency to turn back to self and God has to send fire and trials to get back into that repentant state. And the longer you live, you may start to turn back to self and God will put a fire on you and you get back here and you'll start to turn back. And the older you get, the longer you live, the less you live in self. But you have to own up to your sin. I own up to my sin every day. Don't call me and tell me, you need to change your ways, Pastor, of something you did 25 or 30 years ago. You you don't have any idea who I am. I am really sorry for the fool I've been. And then he goes on to say in Ephesians, according to the prince of the power, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, among also we all had our way of living, talking, living, moving, in times past, in breathing hard after the flesh. I want that. It's a shame that a lot of Christians still live in, in epithumia. I want you to change your ways, and I'm going to gossip about you till you do. Stop that. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature. You used to be by your nature children of or gay. That's your nature. It, your nature is to want self. And when you want self, you want to talk about others and put them down. Look over here in Romans, the first chapter. Where does that nature come from? When God made Adam, he made him out of the corrupt dust of the ground. He made him in this in this stuff. Or do you want to get rid of that? Get rid of your old ways. A lot of Christians are living with their old gossip, their old slander. And what winds them up to revenge, I'll get my revenge. First of all, nobody is supposed to be getting revenge on anybody. Read here in in Romans, the first chapter. Romans 1. And this is the hardest thing for us, me and you, to get over. I'm old. I'm old. I've quit a lot of things I used to do. Have you? Boy, it is hard to be objective about yourself, isn't it? Objective means to go by the facts of the Scripture. Here in verse 17, speaking of the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith to faith. Faith is death to self. From death to self to death to self to death to self. Daily. It is written, the just shall live by death to self, death to self. It's the same thing as repenting. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The orgay. 
Here's what it says. I'm going to put it in its real vernacular. For the orge, which is of God, that is genitive case. It means God possesses the wrath that he puts upon you when he created you in this fleshly body. All of sin, and you got that in you. Hardest thing to deal with are these things like revenge. I'll get them back. I'll talk about them. Christians should never gossip. Boy, that's a hard thing to get over, isn't it? Has anybody here gossiped? Don't raise your hands. Don't want everybody to raise their hands. Don't want to embarrass everybody. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. It says against, but it's not the word against. It's the word epi, a bone. God puts, he puts the orgay upon all ungodly men, and they want to get people and get revenge. You're not supposed to be getting revenge. You're supposed to pull away from everything that doesn't walk disorderly. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but don't condemn them. Pull away from them. What is the opposite of forgiveness? Getting away from people and leave them alone. That's all. You don't have any business trying to straighten them out. If they belong to God, God's going to straighten them out with fire and trials and tribulation. We need to keep our business to ourselves. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Upon all ungodliness and unrighteousness who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They're holding the truth to be unrighteous. But that's all men. When you start off, that's everybody. Now go over here to Hebrews. A favorite verse of mine on the old gay. I'm not just going to teach on this this morning. I should have done this earlier. I'm going to take several weeks and use this in understanding revenge and gossip and tailbearing. Gossip and tailbearing is just the result of all gay. That's all it is. It's you when you're involved and me when I'm involved in my sin and I want to put people down. I want to straighten them out. I'll fix them. We weren't called to fix anybody. All right. Where did I say we were going? Hebrews. Huh? Hebrews. Hebrews. One of my favorite verses on this. Hebrews. And this will show you that the orgate comes from God. Hebrews 3. Oh, I got them flipped over the wrong place. All right. Hebrews 3. And the writer here, which I believe is Paul, has his signature on this, it looks like. He's talking about when they were in the wilderness, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And he says here in verse... Verse 8, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now this is very confusing to most people. 
the ones who were provoking was the children of Israel. It wasn't God provoking them. They provoked God because they said, God brought us out here to die. We had plenty of melons and leeks and cucumbers back in Egypt. I don't know why you'd want those for a meal, but that's what they wanted. We had plenty of leeks and cucumbers and melons in Egypt, and we're out here and we're going to die, and there's about two million of us out here. And Moses brought us out here to die. They were provoking God like he didn't know how to supply their need. Bread in the morning, doves in the evening, any kind of fire necessary to fight their enemies. They were totally at home. Their shoes never wore out. Their feet never swelled up in 120, 25 degrees heat. How did that happen? Good question. You can read the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy and find out some of it. Harden not your hearts when you provoked God in the day of temptation in the wilderness when they tempted God. When your fathers tempted me, he says, proved me and saw my works 40 years. I took them all the way through it. All you have to do is listen to me. I think that's us. All we need to do is listen to God and don't gossip around and don't try to rip people apart. Secondhand language is the worst, worst thing that we do. Destroys our believing life. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. They've talked about me, said, I don't know how to deliver them. And they have not known my ways, my hodos. It's a narrow way, but I'll take you through it. So I swear in my wrath. That's wrong. Doesn't say that. In the original, it looks like this is God's wrath. Looks like it because they're murmuring against God, right? That's what it looks like. The word is te. O R G Ada. The or gay. Anything that ends with an Ada or an Ada new. And a new A, excuse me. And Ada knew anything that ends like that is feminine gender. It doesn't say, so I swore in my wrath. It says, I swore in their wrath against me, and they're going to get even. They said they're going to get somebody to take them back to Egypt. So I swore in the wrath of the people. And what it says in the original text. I'll tell you why I believe the translators did this. It says, so I swore in the wrath, moo. Now you're not going to know what that is. When you look it up, it says, of me. This wrath of the people, I put it upon them. I put them in a trial out here. And so they started gossiping about me and Moses and Aaron said, let's just kill them and go back to Egypt. Do you think they had a right to gossip? Do you? We don't have any business doing that. This wrath is of me, God said. I put them in the wilderness. I had to kill off most of them. You know, that's a picture of us. God, when they got to 
When they got to Kadesh Barnea, Kadesh Barnea, that was their first stop. When they left, they went down in the desert, went down here to Mount Sinai. When they left Sinai, Moses got the commandments of God. They come up to Kadesh Barnea. And they were going to go over here close to Israel and what we would call the Gaza Strip or the land of the Philistines. The land of the Philistines. The Lord told Moses, you send a company of men in there, get men 20 years old and upward. 20 was draft age in Israel. If you wasn't 20, you couldn't serve in the army. That's why David, when he was a, a young shepherd boy in that 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, he was, uh, he was too young to be in Saul's army. We know that because when, they, when Samuel said, do you have any more, any, any other kids? After he brought seven of his sons to pass before him, he said, there remaineth yet the youngest and he keeps the sheep. Well, he wasn't some scrawny little guy that you see in a picture, you know, not needing and slinging his sling out there and saying, "I hope I hit a, I hope I hit a giant." It's not what he was. Those shepherd boys were tough as nails. David could hit a hair's breadth at fifty, seventy-five yards. Proof of this is that. In the 16th chapter, he's a shepherd boy. In the 17th chapter, he hears about Goliath and says, I will go out and fight him. Why would he say that when he knew what he could do? It wasn't that God was in his sling and God was with the rock. David was accurate. He was right on target. He said, nobody wants to fight him. I can hit him right between the eyes before he even moves. I'm not going to get within 50 yards of him. I can knock him down with a sling right between the eyes. And that's what he did. He even told Saul when Saul said, where are my armor to go against him? David said, I haven't proven this armor. I've proven this sling. And I've proven this rod. I have killed a bear with this rod the rod was a tree stump that had piece it had hobnails driven in it he said i killed a bear with this and i killed a lion a little pansy shepherd boy couldn't have done that he was a force to be reckoned with <laughs> that goliath had no idea what he's going to face when david come out there and he said you send me this little boy and david said i'm going to feed you to the fowls of the air and he did. All right. So, David goes out. If he kills Goliath in the 17th chapter, because he is a marksman with the slang, that means he was dangerous to mess with. Not only that, not only that, in the 18th chapter, Saul meets David. David's one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. He was something else. And David, in the 18th chapter, 
Saul hears all the women as David. He said, who is this boy? And he said, and Abner, his commanding general, said he's the son of Jesse. You remember him. He prayed the heart for you and, and caused this evil spirit that came from God to leave you. So in the 18th chapter, Saul hears the women singing their favorite song. It was number one on the hit parade. <laughs> Saul hath killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands, and Saul is furious. He says, I'll stop him as soon as... Now here is what happens to us. David was appointed king of Israel in the 16th chapter by Samuel who got the message from God. It was God that appointed David. And Saul thinks in the 18th chapter that David is stealing his glory. David's not stealing anybody's glory. He's doing what God said. So Saul says, I'll get rid of him. David, come here. Son, He's always calling him son, son like he loved him. He said, I want you to go out. I want you to be head of my bodyguard. Now, how could a little pansy shepherd boy be head of his bodyguard? David was tough in battle. He wasn't some pansy or some sissy. I want to be you head of my bodyguard. And what I want you to do I want you to go out and bring me a hundred foreskins. You say, Jim, why? That doesn't mean to circumcise a hundred Philistines. That means to emasculate them, to bring back their reproduction area, cut it all off, and bring it to me in a sack. David said, okay. And you could have all these men in my bodyguard to go do it. David went out and brought back 200 foreskins of Philistines. And Saul was beside himself. He did not know what to do. He said, if you go do that, I'll give you my daughter Merab. Saul was so confident he couldn't do it that he gave his daughter away while David was off at battle. You couldn't trust Saul ever. But did you know through all of this, Saul starts chasing David in the 19th chapter and he tries to kill him all to the end of the book. I'm going to kill him. He's stealing my kingdom. Have you ever gotten angry at somebody and gossiped about them because they're stealing your thunder and they're stealing your life and they're getting more attention than you're getting? Have you ever done that? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to live a quiet and peaceful life as much as is possible, like Paul told Timothy. Let's live quietly. If somebody's getting ahead, congratulate them. Say, gosh, I, I wish you well. If God wants you to be ahead in your time, you'll be ahead. But not when you want to. It's not your business to get ahead in life. It's your business to work hard, to witness for the Lord, do the best you can, and in time, God will put you where he wants you to be, not by your gossip, because you don't like it, somebody's ahead of you. 
Has anybody ever been angry at somebody being ahead of them? <laughs> Me? I have been. I have been. Boy, when I was in gospel music, I didn't like it because those other tenor singers were on the stage and I wanted to be there doing what they were doing because I could. But I wasn't very cooperative either. You can't straighten somebody's life out when you're not cooperative and you're not supposed to straighten them out anyway. You're supposed to separate from them and have nothing to do with them and pretend they don't exist. If you're not going to forgive them, the only way they can be forgiven is repent. The only way they repent is they have to be rebuked by God. It is God that rebukes a man, not you. Now, are we to rebuke false teachers? Yes. Ought to be angry at them? Yes. Don't rebuke me unless I start preaching lies. Then you can rebuke me. Now, so he said, I swore in the wrath of the people, and it was of me. Let me give you some verses on what people do when they've got this orgay in their life. They don't like it because somebody else is ahead of them. So what they do is they buzz a little. Let me give you a couple of verses here. Go over here to Proverbs. Let me give you let me give you some things here. In Proverbs eleven. 13. Proverbs eleven thirteen. All right. Let me back up a couple of verses here. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of of the wicked. It's your mouth that overthrows people. He that is void of wisdom and despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace and keeps his mouth shut. A talebearer revealeth secrets that he doesn't need to be revealing. Just because you know something don't mean you're supposed to run around talking about it. And usually if you put your spin on it, you usually don't know what you think you know. I have people who think they know my past and they don't. They think they know what I did here 10 years ago or 20 years ago and they don't know nothing. But he that is of a faithful spirit spirit concealeth the matter. I don't tell everybody everything I know because some things are damaging to people's personalities and their lives. Besides that, everybody has got a place they're growing in life and if you think those people over there are not growing as fast as they should because you're, you're growing, well, you're not growing as much as you think you are. You grow when you get old. You grow when you get past 60, don't you? You start... You start questioning everything you thought you knew. You say, I don't know the things that I thought I knew. I used to open my mouth and get myself in a jam. When I'd start talking, put my mouth in gear before it was time. And when he says, a talebearer, the word is rekill. R-A-K-I-Y-L. R-A-K-I-Y-L. 
That's the word talebearer. Talebearer means a scandal monger. It's one who travels about and slanders. It means one who travels from place to place telling secrets and telling stories. Do you do that? We're not supposed to do that. Let me read a couple more of these. Proverbs 20 and 19. Proverbs 20. 19. All right. Look at verse 18 and then read 19 with me. Every purpose is established by counsel. You're not, you have to have counsel with God or counsel with righteous people. And with good advice, make war. Usually if a person is tailbearing, slandering, they usually do it alone and have something in their mind. I know this for a fact. If you say that, you really don't know anything. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. The man that flatters, that means to entice, pothaw. P-A-T-H-A-H. It means to entice. When people speak softly, Usually, whispering is soft. We get the word whisper from a Greek word. Starts with P-S. P-S. P-S-T-H-U-R-S. T-H-U-R. P-S-I. T-H-U-R-I-S. Let me give this to you. P-S-I. T-H-U-R. I S. Let me give you the full spelling on that. T E S or M O S. T E S or M O S. And that is the word whisper. That's where it comes from. It's a Greek word. Psst. Let me taste it. Huh? What did you say? Can you spell it again? I, I can't. P-S-I-T-H-U-R-I-S-T-E-S or P-S-I-T-H-U-R-I-S-M-O-S. It's the word whisper. The Bible has much to say about whispering. Watch out what you whisper. You may be saying things that's not true. A secret one who culminates or gets behind the scenes and distracts from the real truth. You have that over in in Psalms. Well, in Psalms 41, the word is nergon, N-I-R-G-O-N, N-I-R-G-A-N. Nergon means to roll to pieces. You can do that with a whisper. means to tear somebody's life all to pieces by your whispering. 
And look over here in, look over here in, I'm going to just give you a few of these. In Psalms 41, right before Proverbs. Psalms 41. How much time do I have, Mike? 38. All right. Psalms 41 and verse 7. Verse 7. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me they do devise my hurt. Don't devise anybody's hurt if your words are going to destroy them. Don't whisper about anybody. Don't talk behind people's back. If you say something, do what Thumper told Bambi in the (laughs) Bambi movie. Bambi said, what does your mother say about people? And Thumper said, my mother said, if I said anything at all, I should say something good. Do what Thumper said, okay? I remember that. And evil disease say they cleaveth fast unto him. His way of living. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. I'm glad we put him down with our whispering. And then David says, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And that's a psalm about Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's chief counselor, and he defected from David and went over to David's son, Absalom, and wanted to kill David. And boy, David was so brokenhearted at Ahithophel. Look over there in Psalms 50. I believe it's 55. Psalms 55. He's talking about Ahithophel in this chapter. Ahithophel wanted to side with Absalom when he tried to take over the kingdom. And he went to Absalom and started giving him advice. He had been David's chief counselor. And Ahithophel's granddaughter was Bathsheba. You think David didn't know Bathsheba when he saw her? She had to have come into the palace and said, Where's my grandfather, Mr. Ithophel? David knew who she was. And here he says, This is a psalm about Ahithophel. Verse 14, chapter 55. We took sweet counsel together, talking about Ahithophel. He was my closest friend and walked in the house of God in company with one another, arm in arm. Let death seize upon them and let them go down quick to hell for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord will save me. I have to do that when people get loose with their tongues. Say, Lord, deal with them. Evening and morning at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and God shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me when Ahithophel defected with my son Absalom. 
But David, David never whispered about Absalom. The only thing he spoke was here in the Psalms. He didn't run around and tell everybody, look out for Ahithophel. He didn't tell everybody, look out for Absalom. When his, when his nephew Joab had killed Absalom, he said, Absalom, my son, my son. His heart was broken. He didn't say that low-down son of mine, Absalom, did this and did that. David never spoke against anyone who tried. He never said one bad word against Saul who tried to kill him every day of his life. And David had twice he got had a chance to kill Saul, but he said, he is the Lord's anointed. I will say nothing against him. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. God will take care of your enemies. You don't need to go so bad oaths against them. In his time, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. He had put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. I was at peace with Ahithophel. I was getting along with him. We went and worshiped God together, and then he defects and goes over there. And, but Ahithophel got his just due because he tried to advise Absalom, and Absalom wouldn't hear it. So Ahithophel went home, set his house in order, and committed suicide. Your enemies will be brought down by God, not by you. And I love this next this next verse. David is speaking of Ahithophel. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. <laughs> As people talked to you that way before, and they had wickedness in their heart, then he says, But war was in his heart, and his words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Let me tell you, this thing of whispering and tailbearing is not a good thing. If you can't keep yourself from that, from and the only thing that causes this and causes you want to write up write everything is the orgay it's in you. It's jealousy. It's envy. God said Vengeance is mine. I will repay. When the orgay comes in your life, what are you supposed to do? When somebody with the orgay is trying to get you back, Separate. what are you Separate. supposed to do? Separate huh? from them. Separate from them. Well, no. When the orgay comes upon your life and you can't do anything about it, you separate all you can, but over in Romans... The 12th chapter, the Bible says, here's what the Bible says. You're right when you, if you, if they won't repent, separate from them. But get away from them as quick as you can. But when they come upon your life and they bring those things in your life, do you gossip about them? No. Is God in charge of their orgay? Yes. You got to remember the scriptures. How many times, if David had not committed murder and adultery with Bathsheba, and that baby that she was pregnant with died, 
later on, she had a son named Solomon. Solomon. Do you think God prepared from the foundation of the world for Solomon to build the temple? Huh? Well, if he did, not without David having an affair with Bathsheba. How to figure that out? I can't figure it out. I just know it's the will of God. I can't figure it out. Huh? Everybody's on a different path, like Mary says. Everybody's a different growth. If you think somebody is not as mature as you are, then you're not as mature as you think you are. If you're judging yourself by somebody else, Paul said, we don't commend ourselves against others. We don't do that. I'm not comparing myself. Look here in Romans. Romans. And all these have to work together. Romans 12. If there's nothing you can do about the orgy in somebody's life, look here in verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. If somebody does you wrong, are you to do them wrong? No. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men in the church. You can't live peaceably with men outside the church. And then it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Avenge means, it's the word, ek decay decay is the word right do not write things out with people don't say I'll make this right it's not your job I have you know how long it took me to learn this I was probably about 70 maybe 68 before I figure out I'm not to fix people if you give me a hard time here's what I'm going to do Next verse. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but give place unto orge. Let it happen if somebody insists on it happening. I got people that I'm their enemy. They're not mine. I got people that would like to shoot me and kill me. I got people that want to correct me every day, people that are 20 years in my past, 30 years in my past. What have I got to say to them? Nothing. What have I got to say about them? Nothing. God will deal when he is ready. He will write out everything. Not your words won't help anybody do anything. All right. Give place to wrath. Give place to orgay. Let it have its place when people insist on bringing it into your life. And then he says, For it is written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will take revenge. Don't you try to take revenge with your gossiping mouth, with your whispering words. Don't do that. 
Boy, that's a hard, hard thing, isn't it? Are we going to walk away from here and let this become a part of our life? Let's go back and look at a couple of those words whisper whisper over there in the in the Old Testament. Look over there in mm, look in Second uh, Corinthians twelve. This is the word fis Thurmos. Thurmos. Let me tell you something. This is the word. P-I-S. P-S-I-T-H-U-R-I-M-O-S. You've heard that, haven't you? Huh? Somebody wants to whisper. All right. Over in 2 Corinthians 12 and 20. Here's that word. 2 Corinthians 12. I don't know how long it'll take me to get through all this gossip stuff. The tongue is set on fire of hell. Have you heard that? That's in James the third chapter. It's set on fire of hell. It destroys lives. There's not a more dangerous weapon in all of the world than a man's tongue. A lot of times we say things we don't have any idea what we're talking about because we listen to somebody else's psst. We listen to it and we repeat it. And we're headed for a pit or a ditch. Second Corinthians 12 and verse 20. 12 and 20. For I fear lest when I come I shall find you such as I would and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not lest there be debates you're not supposed to be debating anyone you're not going to find that in the Bible have people call me and say I've got a debate set for this guy you're not supposed to debate people give them the truth they either believe it or they don't envyings Wrath. That word wrath is thumas. It's God's wrath. Strifes. Erythea. E-R-I-T-H-E-I-A. Erythea goes with whispers. And gossip. Because it means those who are in a faction over here. A faction is a group of people that set themselves against the main body because they don't like what the manager or what the preacher or the pastor is saying and they want to insert their opinion. So they get together and try to stir people up against the preacher. Don't do that. That's wrong. We've had a lot of people try to tear the church up through the years. You know where they are? Somewhere... Over yonder, way yonder, somewhere in another state or something. I like what Gamaliel said. Gamaliel was one of Paul's teachers. And he said in the fifth chapter of Acts, when they were wanting to kill Peter and John, 
And he said, Gamaliel was one of Paul's teachers. He was a Pharisee. He said, if this thing is of God, it you cannot stop it. If it's not of God, it will not continue. Don't worry about it stopping. Trying to stop grace and truth ministries if God is the engineer. It's like trying to stop a train going downhill at a 45 degree grade going 100 miles an hour. You can't do that. If God wants us to stop, he'll put something down there in front of it. Strifes, backbitings, kautalalia, defaming, kautalalia. If you want to defame somebody, kautalalia. Means to defame takes us to the word reproach. If you're trying to defame the preacher or make him infamous, that's called reproach, infamous, then you're part of what God said. Bless you to you when men shall reproach you. You're part of God's blessings to me if you're trying to call me down. And I'm telling the truth. Backbitings, whisperings. Fist through a taste. I like that word. <laughs> Gives me these swellings. Men being blown up by their own ego. Tumults. Fighting. No unstableness. That's what that word means. All caught us to see it. Now. I want to read some more of these. I just don't have time to read them all. Let's go back to Proverbs 16. This is really important. Here's what gossiping will do. Proverbs 16, 28. Boy, this is serious. 16, 28. Let's start in verse 26. He that laboreth laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil. When you whisper or you gossip, you're digging evil up. And in his lips there is a burning fire. The tongue is set on fire of hell. A froward man, froward means twisted in his thinking. A forward man soweth strife, soweth madon, M-A-D-O-W-N, fighting, calls for fisticuffs. A forward man calls for a fight. I'm not going to fight anybody. I'm old. I don't want to fight. If you want to fight, go get somebody else. I'll be 80 here in about four weeks and I never met an 80 year old man that wants to fight I don't want to fight nobody used to <laughs> and I look back and see how goofy I was I was just stupid for wanting to fight has anybody ever here wanted to fight besides me huh <laughs> it's it don't do any good Christopher raised his hand <laughs> 
my grandson. <laughs> a forward man soweth strife, and a whisper setteth, separateth the best of friends. Gosh, has that happened to me? I had a couple leave here. I thought he was one of the best friends I ever had. He wrote a letter, sent it to Pete, it fell all over this ministry. I had no idea what he was talking about. I thought, but I love you. I had never said one bad word against him. Not one. You can ask Tom or Mike, did you ever say a bad word against him? Never heard Jim say one word. And separated chief friends. A violent man enticeth, enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into a way that is not good. When you're violent, it's because you've got a whispering mouth. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward, twisted, tapuka is the word forward, T-A-P-U-K-A-H. T-A-P-U-K-A-H. Twisted. Froward. Anytime you see the word froward in the Old Testament, it means someone who is perverted in their thinking. You're perverted in your thinking when you start whispering things. The hoary head, he shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he brings evil to pass. You know how you can tell some people are lying? Their lips are moving. I know some people like it. If their lips are moving, they're lying. I'm sure everybody here has been guilty of these things somewhere along the way, right? Huh? Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Everybody else needs to see it loud and clear. Don't tell me you haven't gossiped and hurt people. Yeah. You know how I know that? There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Let me put it this way. There's no temptation taking me, but such as is common to you. All I have to do is admit my sin, and I know what you're thinking. It's that simple. I, I see some people going, Don't worry, you're not alone. You're not alone. The hoary head, that means the gray-haired man. The hoary head is a crown of glory if he be found in the way of righteousness. Sheldon used to come to me and ask me questions. I'd say, go ask Milton. I say, he's old. He knows. And I'd tell him, so-and-so, he'd say, that's what Milton says. I said, you can believe Milton, he's old. He's in his 90s. <laughs> Sometimes Milton, I'd ask Milton one time, what do you think about all these people that's giving me a hard time? He don't beat around the bush. He said, they want to be boss. That was it. <laughs> I said, thank you. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit, do you rule your spirit? Than he that maketh, than he that taketh the city. 
The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing of it is of the Lord. I've had people say, should I move to Andersonville? I say, well, if you move here, you're supposed to. If you don't, you're not supposed to. It's that simple. Do you want to move here? Well, if you do, move here. And if you don't, if it's going to be too hard, don't move here. And you'll know what the will of God is. Whatever you do will be the will of God. Isn't that right? He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. I need to read a couple more of these. Oh, me. 5588. Fisturites. Look at Romans 1, 20, 29. Romans 1. This is Fisturites. This is it right here. How much time, Mike? Huh? Twelve. Twelve. I got a few more of these I want you to see. Who was Romans written to? Huh? The Roman church. Was he talking to the sinners over there at the Roman church? <laughs> no. He's talking to Christians at the Roman church. And here's the things that they were involved in. Right here takes more than reading one verse because this is about all of the people there. Boy, they must have had some kind of trouble. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse 25, or let's read 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. But that's all unbelievers. He's talking to the believers at Rome. That's why people can't read this without misunderstanding. He's not talking about sinners over there. He's talking about what the believers have become involved in. They've changed the truth of God into a lie. Boy, that's serious right there, isn't it? And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. They served themselves. Who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause. Because they changed the truth of God into life. God gave them up to vile affections for even their women. The women of the church in Rome. Did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Women with women. That's what they were doing in the church with Rome. And likewise also the men having the natural use of the women, having the natural use of the women burned in their lust one toward another, men with men. Homosexuality was rampant over there at the church at Rome. You think he's, do you think he's writing, trying to get people off of the streets down there in Rome that are in brothels to come? No, he's talking about the members there. Working that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which they which was meat, and even they did not like to retain God. Retain God meant they once believed Him. They believed the truth. They had a bunch of Southern Baptists over there. In their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Paul said, if I do not bring my body into subjection, I become a castaway. Castaway is the same word as reprobate. 
A-D-O-K-I-M-A-S. They don't like fire. That's what he is. The fire is what perfects you and me. That's what it does. A-D-O-K-I. A-D-O-K-I-M-A-S or M-A-Z-O. M-A-Z-O. It's a different form of the word. It comes from D-O-K-I-M-A-S, which means to test, put in the fire. The alpha primitive in front of a word as a negative particle negates the word. Adokimas is the word cast away. It's the word reprobate. It means we don't like the fire. Don't tell me I got to have a fiery trial in my life. I don't like that. The fire is the only thing that's going to burn out your tongue. You've got to have a lot of fire before you'll get rid of your mouth. I believe the mouth is the deadly thing of believers, of everything that's out there. The deadly thing is the orgay. But it produces the mouth. Boy, do we have a lot to conquer. I wish I had time to read that third chapter of James. You read it yourself. Read Romans 2 and 1. Therefore thou art an excuse. Well, let me read down to it. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Believers over there. Fornication. Believers over there. Wickedness. Covetousness. Maliciousness. Full of envy. Is that us? Murder? Debate? I'm not going to debate anybody. I'm going to say predestination is true. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Foreknow is the word prognosco. Predestinate is the word prorizo. And I'm going to explain it to you. If you don't like it, I'm not going to debate with you. Deceit, malignity, whisperers. backbiters, haters of God. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about people that have turned the truth of God into a lie. Proud, boasters. I could just go through all these words. Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding. The churches are without understanding today. I keep saying they're insane. Insane means to be deranged. When you look it up in the dictionary, deranged means the it means to be unsound of mind. The word sound mind is the word hugiano, H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O, and that's what Paul says. The time will come when men will not endure uncorrupt doctrine of God. They just like the people over there at at Rome. You try to tell people about predestination. Well, that's your opinion. I'm just going to start saying to people, no, it's because you're stupid. You don't know the truth. You can't understand the truth. Stupid by our means dull of hearing or stupid. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same but have pleasure in them 
and do them. And if you're whisper, all this other stuff is with you. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Let me give you another another one of these verses. I just, I got so many of them, I don't know which ones to go to. Look here at, at Leviticus. Not Leviticus. I'm going to go through some more of these next week because I haven't even begun to give you all of these. I, I gave you that. I, I just got so many. The Bible speaks of slanderers in the 19th chapter of Proverbs, or 18th chapter. Go over there. I'm just going to read one and give you a little comment on it, and we'll stop for this week because there's so much about slander and gossiping and whispering. If you talk about each other, I told the other night, me and Glenn were talking about um, I can't think of his name <laughs> over in Asheville, North Carolina. We were talking about uh, Kelvin Anderson. I said, don't you just love Kelvin? He said, he really loves God and loves these truths. He said, yeah, he does. We just bragged on Kelvin. And I brag on people here when you're not here. I tell people about Tom and about Mike and about Mary and about, I say they work hard. They keep this ministry going. And they really know what they're doing. I couldn't run it without them. I tell, I say that a thousand times. Yeah, I can't, Dave, I can't run it without Dave because he takes care of all the TV stations. He emails me and says, I need these checks. And I, when I sit down and write out all the checks and take them to Dave. And he does that three or four times a month. And it mounts to thousands of dollars that we have to pay these TV stations. Huh? What about me? <laughs> Look at this. I'm going I'm to show you. This has nothing to do with what the charismatics are saying. Nothing. In the... Uh, in the 18th chapter of Proverbs, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means if you speak the wrong things, you can call somebody's career to die or you can breathe life into them by how you're talking because earlier earlier in this chapter, it don't mean you can speak positive things and get it. Earlier in this chapter, he's talking about being slothful, being a talebearer, involved in contentions, and that... <coughs> A man who's involved in contention, his mouth calls for strokes. The word stroke means to fight. This is talking about you can destroy somebody with your tongue. I hope we can learn a lesson from this. I'm not through with this by any means. The orge, I've got all these. i got to get in scandal, scandalize. How you trip people up by what you say. 
I got all these verses on revenge that I haven't gone through. Got all these verses on vengeance. Got all these verses on on uh, repentance. Got all these verses on fighting. The Bible says, got all these verses on make, which we get our word macho. The servant of God does not fight anybody with his mouth in any way. Where the fight starts is in your mind. Then it comes out your mouth. That's what's diseased is you got self on the mind. If God wants you to have something, he'll bring it about in his time. At When I was 20 years old, trying to get a job making $40 a week, if you'd have told me I'd have been teaching the Greek and the Hebrew from a pulpit when I was old, I'd have said, you're crazy. I don't want to learn that. And you know how you know how much time it took me to learn all these Greek words and Hebrew words, one at a time. That's the only way you. If you want somebody to change, pray for them. Say, Lord, help them do what they need to do. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for truth. Help us get a hold of our mouths. They destroy people. We don't want to do that, Lord. Cause us to live righteously and holy and godly. We'll praise you for all things. Fight our battles. We're not going to fight anybody anymore, ever. We'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. I've got so many more things to teach on this. That always hits home. Huh? always hits home. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Hey! Turn that off yet? No, it's not off yet, huh? Huh? You know what I was going to say? What? I have found more peace in just speaking the truth and letting other people. Letting them be what they are. That's what you say. What are you guys doing? Oh my gosh. What are you doing? <laughs> Come here. So, how old are they? How old are you? Hey, what's your? Are you Christopher? I'm Cheryl Master. <laughs> I knew you when you were a baby. You just haven't ever seen. It. Just didn't. Don't. What's your name? Hello, oh, Jonathan. <laughs> are you the brother to Christopher? This is the brother. Okay. He's the little brother. How do you get along? Pretty good. Not at all. Yeah, they get along fine. <laughs> they wrestle all the time. Do they? Is that red? Yeah, that happens. 
I know how that is, but it was weird that it played later and worked fine. But that first time, time it would not touch it. And you tried Yeah. So I, I rebooted the computer and you know, everything, and it was I was just letting you know, so uh, I think I, rem- I, I, I meant to email and say I don't need them after all. But, uh, I can't remember if I did or not. So. No. Uh, it's weird. So uh, I make ISO images of all of my discs. So if they uh, they break or lose them, I can burn a you know, another disc. <laughs> So we're listening. I converted uh, I converted them to MP3s because we're listening in the car and all that. Uh, this is my, you know, my use of so the way. Yeah, if you want a copy of them, I can get it. Get you. I listen to my uh, car for uh, I pay attention to it more than I do at home. At home, I'm too tempted. Uh, I'm too tempted. Oh, I need to do this. I need to look at that. Or in the car, I, you know, I, I do listen to it at home, but not. Uh, but I think I get more attention to it in the car than I do at home. Because Tim, at home, you're like, oh, I need a drink. Pause. Go get a drink. Come back. Uh, oh, we check this email, or oh, we check the, you know, this. It's too tempting. <laughs> that's, a, that's what's good about coming to church because you're you're forced to pay attention the whole time. Yeah, at home there's too many temptations. Yeah. <laughs> 
Especially if I'm traveling, because I get it's monotonous. When I see the the, the road and you know not that, you know, if after a while you get you know monotonous, and I don't pay attention as much. Having the music or listening you know, to Brother Jim keeps me uh, focused, uh, you know, because I'm well the the road and that. But I mean, I, I don't. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, um, well, that's that, that happens to everybody. Uh, I know, that happens to everybody. But, uh, but you know, as far as me, I can say focus. Even though I, that, that may happen, I'm more focused if I can listen to music. I, for some reason, I just space out. If I'm, I don't know. Huh? <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 I've tried to drive without radio. I've had to before, and I go nuts. You know, driving. It's like I can't wait to get to the destination more. It's like. Uh, uh. <laughs> 